today's episode of Iconic Women, I am joined by Michelle McDonough, who is a freelance journalist and author of There's Something I Have to Tell You. If you have any interest in writing books or the process of starting your first book, you're going to love this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Forward and we continue with Iconic Women. Today I'm joined by Michelle McDonough who is a freelance journalist but also the author of There's Something I Have to Tell You, a book you probably have seen unless you've been living under a rock. You've been seeing the the launch of her new book. But the reason Michelle is here today is because I personally look up to her, I'm inspired by her but also she's a regular mom on the school run with me in Blarney. So welcome. How are you doing? Good, good. I want to really like go through your head today now and draw out all the stuff that I need to learn about. So I'm obviously fascinated with your whole journey to writing and, you know, coming from journalism. I studied a little bit of PR and like, let's just say a module of journalism. That's as far as I got. But I really respect the industry. I really think it's something I probably should have stuck with years ago and like got into it properly, but I didn't. I kind of came in the back door to learning how to write. But I think for some of us, there's writing in all of us. It's more about the clarity of thought, you know. Um, but take me back to when you were younger. Is this what you always wanted to do? Did you always have an aspiration to write? Or like what were the early clues that... I suppose as a child, I loved reading. And I used to just devour books and I used to write stories as well. Um, So I hated school. I was very quiet and shy. And the only bright spot, I suppose, was the the English essays that I used to write. Mm. And I'd get a bit of, um, I suppose, credit for those then. And you'd get sent around to the other classrooms to read out your stories and then down to the principal's office and you'd get a little plastic watch or (laughs) one of those. So that gave me a bit of confidence. You know, yeah. I wouldn't have had confidence in, a, in any other way as a child. Very, very shy. Um, then I never thought about it as a career. But when, when we were in third year, fourth year in secondary school, we had to do these aptitude tests. And I really okay. didn't know what I wanted to do after mm-hmm. school. And it came up for me journalism. So I thought, wow, I could write and actually make a career out of this and, mm-hmm. you know, make a living out of it. So that's why I went into journalism. Um, and I always, I mean, I did news, courts, um, inquests, all of that. And I loved courts and inquests, the kind of darker side of things. Okay. But it was always the feature writing that I loved, interviewing people, you know, the human interest stories. And I always found the truth was stranger than fiction. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can't print that, you know, you'd be sued if you printed half yes, of it. Yeah. But like the stories that people tell you off the record um, so I was always fascinated. And then because I read so much myself, writing was something I always wanted to do. But it's just, it's very different to journalism. You nearly have to switch off your journalism brain to switch on your okay. and they're And they're two very different crafts as well. So it's more the creative side if you're writing, say, novels or stories, yes. as opposed to delivering the facts. It's completely different. Yeah. You're trained in journalism to, you know, they nearly take the creative side out of it. You take your okay. emotion out of it. You have to be balanced and biased or unbiased. Yes. And that's probably why I didn't do it. <laughs> like, you know, like, that makes sense. Yeah, it's completely different. There's a template yeah. to a news story. You know, you do your yes. intro, you do all. It is completely different. Like you have to, when I'm writing, I have to put the journalist outside the room mm. um, because in my first book now, um, the first book doctor who looked at it, the editor said to me, 
you've all these information dumps. You keep putting in so much information. And that's the journalist in me that wants, you know, all the, the facts structure and, and the logic. They want that. They want the story. They want the character. They, you know. Yeah. So I had to get rid of all these info dumps. And I still do it when I'm writing. But now when I read back over it, I, I'm kind of like, we don't need all that. That's but fascinating. But then you bring the journalist back in when you're editing. Because okay. the you know the journalist head then is is good at that point for mm. cutting and and, and stitching things together yeah. and God that's really fascinating. So like, how do you break into? So you study journalism. F- was that I here did. in Cork? No, no, I did arts in Galway, and then I did. It's an MA now. It was a diploma in applied communications at the time. Okay, so broadcasting and journalism, and I went into the Connacht Tribune then um, as a rookie reporter. Mm-hmm. I was there twelve years. And I had started freelancing for the Times Health Supplement before I left there. I loved writing about health. Okay. And then when I moved down here, um, I went freelance for all of the, the papers. So it was very, very busy covering news um, for the, the Times, the Indo and, and all of the mm-hmm. tabloids. You'd, you'd cover one story and it could get, you know, one court case and it would be in all of the papers. So, okay. it was, you know, I, it kind of really took off. But there was no time then for any kind of creative writing. Yeah. And then once I had children, my first child, I gave up news because the hours are just too antisocial. And and the pace of it, I imagine yeah. that like, I mean, obviously then the the influx of digital made that an even bigger beast to feed that you're constantly having to put out stories and news. It and was before that yeah. that I kind of stopped because Lucy okay. now, my oldest, is 14 so it was 14 years ago, I, I, like she was a baby. Yeah. I just, I found it so hard um, leaving her out to be minded. I just, it broke my heart, it really mm. broke my heart. I was very, very attached to her. And I was already struggling with that and with postnatal depression, but I didn't realise it at the time. Okay. And um, I just thought, you know, I can't do this. So I just switched to features mm-hmm. and um, yeah, did that. And is it the same model time. that you can kind of work then? Like they'll give you stories and you kind of develop them then is that how yeah, that would work? Yeah, don't really give you stories. You have, have to, to find pitch. them. You're constantly pitching and okay. it's like constantly coming up with ideas, constantly selling really, selling yeah. ideas and I'm not a natural salesperson. Okay. So, um, you know, I was, I I did it, I did it for years. Now I did love the health, did mm-hmm. a lot for the, the Irish Times health supplement. Um, but my heart wasn't in it for quite, for quite some yeah. time. And I would say that like, even if you're a strong writer, this is where the battle of maybe self-doubt would creep in that like you could have phenomenal stories that you're sitting on and then you're trying to convince or persuade somebody to, I didn't really understand that's how the features work to be honest. So like you're still having to kind of drive, keep moving and keep pushing your stories for someone to even pick them up like as a freelancer. That's, that must be difficult. And also you build up a relationship. It takes a while to build up a relationship with an editor. Okay. editors move on all the time in the nationals in particular. Okay. So you've just built up a relationship. You know what they like. You're pitching them that, you know, you're getting looked and then somebody new starts and, and it's, it's all over, back it over, again. All over again. Oh, yeah. So did like has that yeah that's very <gasps> see yeah. from the outside in it's like you you, you write for a paper and yeah, you know yeah. it's just easy that you sit there like Sarah Jessica Parker typing and you're that. at home on your own you know it's very yeah. very isolating and also I suppose I was working I didn't want I didn't like crash I mm. went I went and had to look at a crash and we had a bad experience because there was a child in the crash who was having an absolute meltdown and seemed to think my father was or my husband was their father no so. They went into Craig's arms. I don't know why Aww. he shouldn't have been, you know, carrying yeah. somebody's strange child around the crash. 
and then started bawling hysterically when we left. And we were just both kind of traumatized by it. So my mum had been a childminder for years and we always had babies in the house and kids and loved it. So I wanted somebody to come into my house. Yes, which which is really hard. But I was working from home as well. So every cry, every, you know, they'd be roaring and shouting and crying downstairs. And it took a long time to find the right childminder. Um, we did eventually find an amazing childminder, but it's just, you know, yourself it's, trying to juggle it all. It's really hard because yeah. I was totally the, oh, mine weren't going to have dummies and mine weren't going to go to crash and mine weren't going to do this. And like one by one, I'm like, give them the dummy, oh, you know, yeah. give in to everything. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like, I didn't understand the whole crash thing either. You know, as a new mother, I just didn't know enough, I suppose. You don't know till you've experienced it, but either yeah. whether it's going to a crash or somebody else, that detachment like is so big, isn't it? Yeah. And then you're trying to snap back right into your career. I definitely had to straddle there, which is why I ended up having to figure out work around the kids, you know, which is, is tricky, but it's working. But it's yeah. taken like, you know, it's taken a long time. It, some of it is their, you know, separation anxiety because my mm. kids, you know, they didn't take well to school. They didn't take mm-hmm. well to play school, you know, for the first yeah. year. There was a lot of settling in to be done. But then you're wondering, I didn't take well, you know, to school when I started and I had terrible separation anxiety from my okay. mother. And I wonder how much of that is my own separation anxiety. Yeah. You know, that that's you, coming through. That's like, coming through. Mm. Is it theirs? Is it yours? And then you're, you know, wrecking your head trying to figure yeah. it all out. But yet, then you're on the other side of it. So it's like, it's kind of warped, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I'd be, be standing outside the door of the play school and uh, listening to try and see, could you hear their cries over the other kids who yeah. were crying? Yeah, are they crying louder? Yeah. Um, but I suppose where we, that brings me to school, where we first met, we met on the Parents Association. So our kids weren't in the same class, but they were in the same school. Yeah. We came in from different points of entry into the Parents Association, you know, and we Worked a little while on that, you know, when you're new to the school and you don't know what to be doing or what's, you know. So it helped me figure out the school and the whole flow of what happens in the school over the year. And then I remember you writing an article for on another parent who had some medical issue, which makes sense now. The Irish Times probably or the what you spoke about earlier, the freelance writing was probably some feature in that. Um, And at the time, like I did like the idea of writing, but I didn't think where I'd be where I am now. Like where I am now is that. I've gone through the writing process in terms of writing the proposal for a book. So for me, I didn't ever set out to go, I want to write a book. I just went through a few things and then I decided, oh my God, now that I figured this out, I need to tell everybody. And I just thought it was as simple as, well, if I have something to tell them and I know they need it, then they need it straight away. What's the best, quickest way to get them? I'll give, I'll put it into a book. <laughs> like I look back at it and laugh, but... It was the worst, best thing I've ever done because the process of having to articulate what's in my head onto a page, that was the first challenge, and then understand that there's a whole world of pitching books and publishing and self-publishing. And like, how do you get then from being an established journalist, you know, and then deciding, okay, now I want to go into writing my own book and move away from that whole model you talked about of writing, you know, structured, I suppose, pieces that you're detached from in some ways. Tell me how you got from one to the other then. Uh, Well, it took me long enough because I talked about it for years and years. And when we got married, my husband in the wedding speech made an absolute show of me because he said (laughs) something about me being um, an author in the making and I hadn't, I wasn't writing at the time. So I had started over the years, I started books and then I'd write myself, always around 30,000 words, I'd write myself into a cul-de-sac. 
Okay. Because I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. And there is a craft to it. And it's really useful if you can learn that craft before you start. Okay. I mean, even down to point of view. You, you know, you have to try and figure out whose point of view are you writing from. Mm-hmm. It's your main character. You can't just jump from your main character's head into her husband's head, into somebody else's head, all in the one chapter. Which yeah. is what you do when you start off because you don't know these rules. There are certain rules that yes. you, you have to stick to at the start anyway. Yeah. I didn't know those rules. And but even as a journalist, like, no, no, they don't teach so you any of this stuff. No, like, it's just... Different. Creative writing is, is completely is different. Fiction writing, okay. yeah, it's totally different. So I did a couple of courses over the years, read loads of books. Still didn't, didn't really work for me because I kept saying, I don't have the right idea. Or I kept saying, oh, I'm stuck. You know, mm. I have writer's block. But I didn't really have writer's block because I wasn't writing anything to, mm. you know, and they, I've some writer, I'm not sure who it was, said plumbers don't get plumbers block. I mean, you just have to sit down <laughs> and write, you yeah. know, and it, it will come out. That's true. And I got advice from another writer who said, um, I think it was at Stephen King's book or I don't know, yeah, somebody wrote a book on right writing. on writing. That was yeah. it. And and they were like, the best way to be a good writer is to write more. Yep. But I was like doing the thinking about the writing well, it's without the actually thing the writing, sit, writing. Yeah, sitting down and writing is the hardest thing. Doing it. So I did have writer's block, but it was my own block from, yeah. that, you know, by not sitting down actually doing any writing. Yes. Then also with the kind of, like, I suppose what I, I describe it as dark women's fiction, but right. I have been, they, they slot you, they want to slot you into a genre, mm. publishers. And the reason they do that is because the bookshops want you in a genre so they know what shelf to put you on. Yes. So I've kind of been slotted into psychological fiction, domestic noir, you know, suspense. Yeah, like rural me, noir, I think is how you described noir, it. That's, that's a lovely that word, one, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but to me, it's just, it's it's a dark, dark women's fiction or dark yeah. family drama. Um, and what I had to do was to learn how to plot because that was my problem. Okay. When you're writing a book like that, if it's a thriller, you do need to have a plot. So I had an idea. So that's like the skeleton of what you're doing, is it? And it then... is the skeleton, but it's it's not enough to just have the idea. Because mm. before I used to get an idea and then I'd write for 30,000 words and it would never go anywhere. Yeah. So you have to have, you you have to know where you're beginning, where you're middle, where the end is. And then for me, I have to have breadcrumbs all along the way. So I learned how to do a thing called a beat sheet where you just write out the main beats, the okay. main... The Hang main, on, I'll get a pen. I should be taking notes. <laughs> I can tell you again. But they're the main things that will happen in the book. So it's like, it is really like breadcrumbs where it leads you to the end. And for me, it's like, I need to have, it's like a satnav. Yeah. Where I, if I start off just writing, I will end up in a cul-de-sac because I don't yeah. know. Some writers do. They, they're very, you know, instinctive and they, they, they just write and it, it They know what like to that. do in a cul-de-sac they maybe. They call and them pantsers. Okay. And then, so you're either a plotter or a pantser. Oh my and I'm God. definitely a plotter, so I have to plot, plot it out. And I have to know where I'm going. You don't have to stick to it. Yeah. But it just gives you the confidence that, you know, if you get lost along the way, you go back to your map mm. and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. I took a wrong turn and that's how it works. So I, I suppose. That makes it sound very easy now, but go on. Not, no, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was kind of heading towards my 50th birthday. I was 48 and I was like, this, you know, I'm talking about writing a book for years. I was so sick of talking about it. I tried to just read other people's books and but it's like this compulsion that just would not mm. go away and it was driving me insane so I did a Faber online course at the start of the first lockdown and I learned how to write the first 10,000 words of the book and in that course I learned all about the craft of writing and then you could go on after that and you could do the follow-up course but myself yeah. and another girl on the course said no thanks we're going to go off now and finish our books on our own mm-hmm. because we felt we'd learned so much from that 
Um, and that book was, that book that I started on that course was There's Something I Have to Tell You. And God. So, so that's yeah, where it, it was started. The first book I ever finished. And I'm sitting here going, like, the amount of overwhelm and self-doubt and imposter syndrome that can creep up between the word in your head and the word coming out of the pen or, the, or typing it, right? But I'm kind of relieved to know that even a journalist has that kind of, Gosh, like, yeah, it's, getting stuck part. And I'm not celebrating you getting stuck by any means, but it's it's really inspiring. And I knew, I just knew, like, the amount of people, I announced at one time, I, it was about a year and a half ago, I'd say, or more, that, like, I've had this idea and now I know why all these things that I'm trying to figure out are happening so I can help other people and make it faster for other people. So I'll just write a book, obviously. But I said it without even thinking. The words kind of came out of my mouth and I was absolutely overwhelmed by, at the time now, like I, I don't know, maybe two or three hundred messages, people wanting to know where they could sign up to buy the book. And I was kind of going, but I don't, like, I don't even really know what the book is about, really. Is it non-fiction? It's kind of a hybrid between self-help and um, memoir, I guess you could say, okay. you know. So it's things that happened to me that I've overcome. Nothing massive, you know, yeah. but small breakthroughs that I'm like, oh my God, if somebody had just plotted this out for me, they could have really helped speed up their own personal development, right? So anyways, to make a long story short, they were all like, where can we, you know, is there a wait list? I, I think people thought the book would be out in a few hours, yeah, do you know? Yeah, like, yeah. it should have been an e-book about two years ago, maybe. But anyway, on I went and I did the first throwing it together, like what I think would be a structure and then I fell into the world of like people saying, how are you doing it? Like, what, what did, how did you start? But I didn't feel, I'm like, I don't know how to tell people, you know, I didn't have a structure. Then I since went and learned that proper writing a proposal. But now I find that I've written, this is like me being on a therapy coach with you now <laughs> instead of me interviewing you. But, anyway. but I just think there's so much learning in it to unpack because I kind of feel like I've written the proposal to conform and fit into that shelf and now I've realised that everything in my being and everything in my values and in my integrity has made me go I actually don't think I was ever meant to fit conform to anything but also it is a commercial process now I know it's different with fiction and non-fiction that's to be fair do you know it's yeah. a kind of a commercial process too and there is a business to it but sometimes I, I kind of float between the business brain and the creative brain and it's actually trying to navigate both. And like I'm hearing in you that like finding the structure can unlock the gold for you, you know, in well, terms of they're both the writing. Very, very different. Like mm. I wouldn't have a clue to go about how to write a book on nonfiction. Yeah. I think one of the differences for fiction, you have to have your book written. Yes. You have to, you know, write. You have a manuscript the book, that you, you hand give, in yeah, like. You give, it, you give your first three chapters and try and get an agent on the basis of that. Okay. With nonfiction. You write your proposal first. Yes. And you hope that somebody will take up the book, you know, on the basis of the proposal. And yeah. then you work with an editor mm. who will, you know, we'll tease that out or whatever. Yeah. And all of that. Yeah. No, I've belted away and written, like I've, I've written lots of it because I'm like, I haven't time to wait either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've took the long route. I'm like, keep writing, keep writing and see what happens. But I'm not too worried about that. I'm really just genuinely the information that people were asking me for really opened my mind because I was like there's actually so many people out there that are possibly gifted and may not know the structures but they have this like you said a thirst to write you know yeah. so I think it's really stuff that you're sharing already will really help them to decide actually it's not for me at all I couldn't do that at all or it might be yeah even journalists who are obviously writing for a living it's a process and you have to it's a learning curve isn't it um 
Did you ever doubt yourself then in that journey and go, well, why should I be in a section in a book or, you know, tell me about that or how you face those fears? Um, I suppose when you're writing uh, fiction, it's kind of like, it nearly feels a bit silly, even though it's, it's something you really want to do. And it's like, I mean, I dreamt of that much more than I would ever dream of seeing my name in a newspaper, you know, um, for a journal, for a piece of journalism. It kind of seems, I suppose, unrealistic to, to want to achieve that. Mm. And then when you do achieve it, it's just, it's so not ordinary, but you meet other writers and they're just normal, ordinary normal people. people. And they're really friendly and they're really welcome. But they're, you know, you're still <laughs> getting up in the morning and making the lunches. You're still cleaning yes. the toilets and you're still, you know, it's... You still have to decide what we're having for dinner. Like, there's, yeah, no, there's exactly. no avoiding that. It's like you're still, you, you don't... Yeah. I had this, I suppose, this thing that, oh my God, I always want, you know, I want to be an author and then I'll just be kind of floating around on a cloud. Yeah. But you're not, you're... You the know, practicalities you're are, you yeah. still have to find a window in the yeah. day to write and... Yeah. You know, do you find it therapeutic then to kind of escape into the world of I, your imagination? I wish I could say I found it therapeutic mm-hmm. to write, but I do find it. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm going to have nervous breakdown, <laughs> pull my hair out. It's like there are pockets of absolute joy in it, yeah. but they're few and far between. It yeah. is hard work. I fi- like if I had known, I suppose, how hard it was at the beginning I probably would have been afraid to try it but I'm really really glad I did and you have to and also the one thing I learned was that part of the reason that I hadn't finished a book for so many years Mm -hmm. was because I kept going back and trying to perfect what I had already written instead of moving forward with the story yeah and I listened to a lot of podcasts there's a great um, podcast Honest Authors it's an English podcast and writer's routine and I listened to other authors and you have to give yourself the freedom to just let the words out. Mm. Do a filthy, dirty first draft. Yes. And Neil Gaiman, I've never read any of his his books, but he gives great writing advice. He's a fantasy writer in England. Okay. And he says, just get the words on the page and you can always go back later on and make it look like you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Um, but we don't like, give ourselves the grace, I think. Is it the fear of like the perfection thing that yes, we're like, let's... Perfection thing. Yeah. You know. You just have to literally vomit it onto yeah. the page. And then you've got something to work with. And call it back from you go there. Back then and you cringe when you read it. But, do you know, <laughs> what if you're having a bad day then, though, and you go back and you're like, cut that chapter and then, or cut those. Yeah, you, and then you, you can cut it then. Yeah, and bring you it back in. to work with you. You don't have to start. <laughs> yeah, you know, from scratch. From scratch, yeah. writing 100,000 words or whatever it is. So your tips would be to write, write, write. And I loved what you said there, like just filthy, just throw it onto yeah. the page raw as yeah. it is. Now, not everybody back. writes that way. Some people yeah, find are, your process. You know, they like, have to have have it right before they move on to the next one. Yeah. Or they go back, you know, they might write a chapter and then the next day they'll go back and they'll read over that chapter. I just don't do that anymore. I yeah. just literally, I'm like, move on, move on, move on. Get yeah. to the end of this draft. And then... I like the that because I am a bit of an overthinker. So if I if I thought that there's a half an hour that I can go back yeah. in there and... I'm very impatient though. And yeah. I find, I'm, just get that done now and move on. But it's phenomenal. Like, tell me about the success of it then. Let's talk about that. Like, it just... I mean, I knew it would, but like, it was best set. Like, it was amazing. It just blew up that, out of yeah, nowhere. That, that's all, it, it, that all still seems a bit surreal. It's kind that, of it's like... bananas, I think. Yeah. I'm like, what? You um, know, how do you get used to that? Or what does it do to your, I don't mean, like your cocky ego, but does it give you evidence and proof? Do you feel enough now? Or did you need that at all? To oh has God, the, yeah, you I know? did need that. Um, I thought it would make me feel enough, but I think from listening to other authors... 
it doesn't get easier after you write the first book. It actually gets a bit harder because you have to, your next book has to be better than your oh. first one. And I am, it's like now I'm working on my second one and it's like trying to wrestle an octopus into a small box. Oh my God. Trying so there's get, an expectation on yeah, you like yeah. to deliver. <gasps> and you're like, the first time there was no expectation because you didn't mm. know if it was ever going to be even published. You hoped it would. Yeah. But you were really writing it kind of just for yourself. Yeah. And then um, you get, you know, you achieve what was beyond your dreams that, you know, I was hoping it would be on a bookshelf. Yeah. And I was visualizing it in on the bookshelf and I could see myself in the bookshop uh, signing copies of mm -hmm. it. I could see all that in my head. Never could have seen, would have seen the bestseller. Mm -hmm. But at the start of the, the year, this the publicist and the editor had said to me, you know, this this is really good. We love it, blah, blah, blah. And but you kind of think, they, they say that to everybody, obviously. They're yeah. going to say that, you know. Um, but then at the start of the year, there was all these, um, you know, ones to watch this year, books yes. to watch, authors to watch. And my book was in it. And I was like, I was in Spain with my husband at the time and we were getting all the papers and people were sending us um, screenshots. And it yeah, it was like, like that one weekend where I was like, oh, yeah, I and was it, like, it kept coming up everywhere. I'm I'll like, never forget this is amazing. This new, this new Year's Day and this new, you know, because... Yeah papers there's nothing else happening at the time so they're all full of these lists yes and I just just couldn't believe it and then it it was um it went I was on with poor old Ryan Tuberty um <laughs> a couple of weeks after it came out and he loved it and he did a great interview he said it was uh, a cross between John B. Keane and Agatha Christie and wow. it shot into number two the following week wow because when he he's a big reader yeah and he, he would have took the time but, to yeah, read it yeah so that made a huge difference. So it was in the top 10 for about four weeks. Yeah. Insane. I'm I'm saving it for holidays. I'm going on Friday. So oh, I brilliant. hold my hand up. I haven't brilliant. read it yet because I want to keep it specially. But it's funny. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, when you're, you're the bride at the wedding and then, so you're, you're book of the month in Easton's and, you're, yeah. and you're, the kids were all in with me and everything. We were taking photos. But then like six weeks later, you go in, you're not in book of the month. You're on a different shelf. That's fine. Yes. That's fine. But then, you know, bit by bit, there's other books creeping up yeah. to number one, number two, number three, and you're slipping down all the time. So it's... It's aggressive, I would say, is it? Well, like it's, it's hard to nobody, stay there. I think you should be warned. Um, yeah. There'll be, there'll be a lull after all this. Mm. You know, it's a roller coaster. You're up really high in it now. And, you're, and there's you're an anticlimax. It's yeah. not going to stay like this forever. Because you kind of think, oh my God, this is this is it now forever. And, yes. You know. And does the book feel very far away? Because like the book was written well before. It does. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so far removed. But at the same time, you know, when, you, when you're sitting there writing it, I suppose it, the fear of the rejection of it then, like you were lucky and you got yours, you know, yours would be published and you have a second book. But like, was there any kind of plan for the mindset, I suppose? Let's talk about the mind of how do we prepare for the rejection? I'm the worst person to ask because <laughs> if the first book hadn't got an agent, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have coped with Yeah. Like I, I hear of people, maybe because I was a bit older when I started, but I hear of people who, you know, write book after book and rejection after rejection. I was so lucky that I got an agent and a book deal on my first book. Like I was just... That's amazing. So lucky. and But it obviously speaks of the body of work too. You know, it wasn't I, a coincidence. I, I also think maybe it was because of my age because, you know, I suppose I had more to write about, more to talk about. Mm. If I'd written a book when I was younger, maybe it wouldn't, you know, if I'd got yes. a deal, it mightn't have done so well. Um, the time was now like... It a bit stronger. Yeah, I think yeah. The, the time was right. 
But it kind of, because I've written a second book since, or I'm, you know, deep into it. I'm in that world now. I'm immersed in that world. So you nearly have to pull yourself out of that to go back into the, you know, if I'm talking yeah. about the first book. Your head's in the second. Yeah, like, yeah. that's incredible. And like, what timeline would you give for a book now? Or is there, is, is that another thing that comes at you? Like, we need a second book and we need it by Tuesday. Well, usually, <laughs> you know? it's, usually it's very slow. Like my okay. first, I was so lucky with the first book because, um, I, you, you send it out and then you just hope to God some agent will take it mm-hmm. on. And Patricia Devey from Penguin um, liked it. And you can you can submit directly to Penguin. You can't submit directly to, to most mm-hmm. publishers or any of the English ones. So it's it's really like a game because when she got back to me and asked for the full manuscript, then I go out to all the agents, email all the agents who I've sent it to and say, Penguin are interested yeah, in the full manuscript and they all want it. It's only like dangling a carrot. It is. It's like dominoes. Yeah. And then they were like, oh yes, we'd, we'd like it too. So God. there was this flurry of activity then only because yeah. she But if that didn't happen then, the book that. was equal, it was just as good. Like I was waiting for, my proposal went out in the new year and I was waiting for, I was like, I'm ready for the no's. Yeah. Bring the no because it'll toughen me, it'll harden me and the right yes will come. But like, there was one no, but the rest there was nothing. So I'm like, oh, okay then, yeah. that's worse. Yeah. It is worse. Like, no, it actually, I really do believe in divine timing. Like what you said, when the time is right and every single thing that's happened since has changed and moved me in a way that the core of it is changing every day, you know, which I yeah. love. But at the same yeah. time, I had to let go of, I don't, the validation or that because I feel like I'm not a writer, you know, I say that loosely. Do you know, when we think, well, I'm not, I'm not a journalist or well, I'm not a, you know, yeah. so I've come to learn and love that now. Yeah, but you, for need people, to, you need to separate that because journalism and, and you know, writing yeah. a book are not. Now I see that they're not the same yeah. thing at all. They're yeah. like a different category altogether. And, and sometimes, I mean, was it my, I used the book doctor in England, Sally mm-hmm. Oja, she's very good. And um, being a journalist can be a disadvantage when you're trying to write fiction. Mm. It's probably what stopped me from writing fiction for years because my brain was trained. Structured you know, in that so way. You don't need any journalism training. And you know, you yeah. possibly, a lot of journalists do write, but you um, you could possibly be better off if you didn't Without do journalism it. training. Yeah. Wow. So are you listening, people? The editing. If you're If you're drinking your cup of tea and you're thinking of writing a book, she said, hurry on yeah, and go and do so the book. Writers it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And like when you were younger, like oh, let's talk about iconic. Like who was, was there anybody who... Like I, ca- I can say, I don't think there was many women that were in business for themselves, working around their family in the way that I'm trying to do when, when I was younger. Okay, there might have yeah. been hairdressers and maybe shop owners, but I didn't really have any people in my family that were female and had businesses. Was there anything in your growing up that like somebody that was writing or somebody that you saw, whether it's family or outside of family, that you thought, that's interesting, other than in school, them telling you that you had a skill in that area, you know? There wasn't, no. There was no one to model anybody, it from, like... I didn't know anybody in journalism. I didn't know mm-hmm. anybody, um, I suppose, any writers may have been. She would have been, um, you know, I suppose I started reading her books very young. And okay. I wouldn't have thought of her as iconic then. But looking back, I mean, she didn't get kind of the respect at all that she should. Yeah. You know, she was kind of dismissed as commercial women's fiction. Mm-hmm. But she she started, I mean, this this, this huge... Um, women, Irish women's fiction is massive at the moment and she kick-started all of that yes and by God she was iconic in that space before her time like. yeah and talk about you know throwing the ladder down for the people who came after her her Marion Keys Patricia Scanlon and Sheila O'Flanagan they have just been so welcoming I mean 
They blurb, they put up lovely reviews on their social media. They don't know me from Adam. So they off, just like, off their own backs, off they were doing that. Backs. Isn't that lovely? You know, you're used to seeing their books on the shelf over the years and reading, mm. reading their books. And and suddenly they're I saying, love to hear I read it. Michelle McDonough's book and I really loved it and posting a picture of it. Wow. You know, from their holidays or wherever yeah. they were. And, and it's like the generosity for, you know, of them to do that for new writers coming up behind them. And I've, I've just been... It's unbelievable, isn't it? But I suppose Maeve would be because her books, um, they tackled serious subjects. Um, you know, like they, everybody talks about Gay Byrne and the Late Late Show, but Maeve was, Maeve was tackling all that stuff in mm. her books. But just not giving the credit no, for it. No, God. And it just makes me think, you know, they say like, hold the door open for another woman. I'm like, no, let's not hold the door. Let's just show them the escalator and just get them there. Yeah. Do you know? It's yeah. just incredible what we can do. And that empowers you. And I think it also lends to and no more than what your husband said at the wedding, when someone else believes in you, when it's an outside validation, it just lands differently on yourself, first of all, because you're like, wow, they must believe in me that they think I could do this. No, I just you know? cringed. I absolutely just cringed. You I died. Was I was like, oh my God, talk about putting pressure on me. Because everybody was saying, I never knew you were writing a book. And oh I was like, God. no, I'm not actually writing yeah. a book. And that's gas, like, again, for me, some article came out in the newspaper, which I was delighted that somebody featured it, like, but when I met people after it, they were like, so when is it out? And I'm like, people I hadn't seen in 20 years were messaging yeah. saying, when is the book out? And I'm like, oh my God, the pressure. And then the next thing, as soon as you write a book, people will be saying, oh, when is it going to be on TV? And you're like, I've just achieved my, <laughs> just my given birth. lifelong <laughs> dream, which was to write a book. Yeah. I don't even really watch that much TV, but people for for people you know, success in their eyes yeah. is having it made into a movie or and oh, I see. that would be lovely. Yeah, I didn't even think that of that whole be, thing. You know, a lot of for a lot of people writing the book is grand. But like the expectation really is where is it going on, then? Yeah. Oh my God. So Netflix. <laughs> and tell me about the second book now. So like the process has has your process changed? Have you got like sharper or have you stuck to the same routine or I what did you learn? It would be easier because um not easier, but I'd heard of this they call it the second album syndrome yeah. for, for authors. So, you know, it can if your book does well, your first book, you can get a bit kind of um, frightened by all the hype and it can affect your writing. So I thought I'm going to be very clever and I'm going to have my first draft written before the first book comes, comes out. out. So I rushed the first draft, thought it was fantastic, did a really, really dirty first draft. And then I went back to look at it and it was absolutely awful. <laughs> Um, so I had to do a load more work on it and then I sent it to my editor and met her in Dublin a couple of weeks ago and this is my first time really working with her from the start mm. um, on on the book and she was like love the writing they call it um, in the <laughs> in the business the shit sandwich so love the writing blah 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 then they tell you all that's wrong with it in the middle and by the and at the end yes but you're just a natural <laughs> storyteller so you know you tidy up the middle piece afterwards really what they've actually said by the way this is not working there's no suspense there's no it. blah 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 yeah. and even though I did have this with my first book as well I just went home and I was like I can't do it I yeah. said to my sister no I just can't it's too hard I can't do it so it doesn't get any easier like I'm working through it I will do yeah. it but I do find it um so hard. what do you have to face? Like, what are the hard things that you have to face then? Do you like... To rewrite. So if the if something is not working in it and you need to rewrite it, if you rewrite one chapter, you need to rewrite... The whole thing. The whole thing. Because oh. it strands all the way, it's threaded through yeah. the book. So you have to fix so, it the whole way yeah, through. Yeah. It's like you using Tipex on like, yeah, oh my yeah. God, <laughs> right through the whole book. And then trying to keep it, what I find, especially because 
I have such bad brain fog from menno brain, yeah. is trying to keep it all together in your head. I mean, it's all in there, mm. but you're talking... Like remembering, just remembering. thousand words, yeah. which I have to cut down to like 90,000. It's trying to keep all that together, all the different storylines and... Yeah, my, my brain is exhausted even thinking about it. Like, <laughs> you think it's a certain brain though that can do that? Like, do you think that... I write this down, I, you know, a lot of, I have, which I didn't know was a mind map, but mm. kind of mind maps on the walls, you know, a lot of bubbles with yeah something in it and arrows leading to different things and... To remind you I have of a lot the structure. Of documents to do, you know, yeah, different to do lists. So each draft, I'll have a different to do list. You need to do this, this, you know, you need to uh, bring in more of this character. You need to strengthen that, you know, things mm. like that. Um, but so then, you go back over the version, like version twenty seven, yeah, yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. There's so oh many drafts, and then you get to the end of one, and you're so relieved, and then you have to start all over again. Yeah. But then you're too close to it when you're because, as a writer, I'm too close to it, and. I have an idea in my head of what's what the Happening. book is about and what the characters are about, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm translating it onto the page. Mm. I just yeah, think the I gap am. between what's in your head and what's actually there, like and that's where the editor comes in. Okay, and they can stitch that and together. They just say to you, yeah, you need to sharpen up that. You need to. Yeah, they don't do it for you, but they, but they suggest point where yeah, you need to highlight. Yeah. And what about self trust? Tell me about that. Like there must be a huge amount of self trust to take rejection or take feedback. And work it into your your body of work yeah. and not doubt yourself. Or, I'm used to, you know? from the um, journalism, I'm used mm. to being edited. Okay. But I, I do, like I'll have a week and it happened with the first book as well where I'm pulling my hair out and I'm like, I can't do it. No, yeah. it's just, I'm just not going to be able to do you it. You kind of have to fall and apart then, a bit. Yeah, fall apart a bit and then start it. And I'm hate, my husband actually said to me that I was like, oh, I just don't know what can I do. You know, there's mm. so much to change and I didn't think there'd be that much. And he said, don't try to eat the elephant all yeah. in one go. And I'd never heard that before. Yeah, I use that a lot, actually. I mean, I'm like, how do you so eat an elephant good. one bite at a time? Yeah. I, you know, so I, d- I started I have that. to remind myself of that always. But everything, even mm. just there's a dinner and there's laundry. My brain gets absolutely overwhelmed with small things. But then yeah. big things don't faze me at all. You know, it's all, this, it's all the small things just yeah. add up and add up and they they're do. way on top of you. And, yeah. So you've learned how to eat elephant regularly. Then. <laughs> <laughs> just at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. I'm d- and trying it's great to advice. slowly because I'm always rushing yeah. and it doesn't work when you're trying to write a story mm. or trying to write fiction. And the instinct, my instinct is to rush and I have to force myself to slow down. And I find that really hard. And, and that slow. brings me to another juicy topic of the power that time has over us, which I haven't really it's only this year that I really woke up to how much power it had over me. So like I was working through all the things, the self-doubt, you know, the imposter syndrome, stuff I help other people with. And then I'm like, there's still pressure on me. What is the pressure? And it was just my relationship with time that like everything, I had to race through everything. I was just packing too much into my day. Yeah. And it was like, it seems basic, but like just to block out time. But particularly with writing, you could lose a day if you were in the mood or if you weren't in the mood, you could sit there twiddling your thumbs. Yeah. Like, so how do you time? What Tell me about your relationship with time or how well, it's put manners on your time. I have to work while around the, the kids. Mm. So it's a bit of a disaster at the moment because I'm in the middle of a rewrite and the kids are... And they're home. off. But the youngest is 10 now. So, okay. you know, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. The older two are uh, 12 and 14. So they're grand. They can entertain themselves in the morning for a while. Yes. So I'll do a few hours in the morning and try and keep the youngest one out of the office. And then when they're in school, I work around their, their, their school time. hours. Yeah. Okay, so that's so good. That time. works, yeah. yeah. 
And we're like, tell me about the future of what's happening. So book number two will be out. Is this something you could see yourself doing like 10 books in? Or do you think it's a thing that, like, do you feel like it takes a lot from you? Or do you think it's worth it? I think it's worth it. Yeah. It does take a lot from me, but it's, you know, once I finish this book, even the next draft of this book, Mm -hmm. if I'm a bit happier with it, I'll be like, oh my gosh. You're out the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so nice. I'm just in the... I'm in the trenches at the You're moment. You're in the trenches. Um, but no, it is. It is and I really think it's so important for normal people like me, which is why you're here, to hear that it's it's getting the hard work done and just getting through to the other side, one little elephant bite at a time, that you, you will reap the benefits if you can just stay disciplined and consistent and go through the hard stuff instead of turning away from it. You know, even if you're, like you mentioned, struggling with postnatal you know, we all have different things going on. Some people are struggling with anxiety or stress or, you know, different seasons of our lives as well. I found that mm. I I wanted to be the version I am now about probably 10 years ago, but it, I was at a different season and I wanted everything to happen instantly. And it's only now that my kids are a bit older that I'm like, okay, we can breathe, we can do things, we can look forward again, you know? So like, what tips would you have for people in a similar situation who have kids at home but have this pulse are beating them that they're like I have a book I want to get out like where do they start tell us how to to start joining a writers group is a great idea okay Um, now I didn't have that much time with the kids and everything I was it was during COVID Mm -hmm. I used to get into a car my car and drive to the car park near the playground where we okay. learning right. to get away from the house because of the noise when I was trying to write write the book because my husband was working from home. He's really loud. Um, <laughs> but I, to, sorry, to get back to your, your point, what kick-started my writing again after not writing for a long time was being in a writer's group. They were mainly all women. The encouragement that you get, you get these little challenges. So it's, you're, you're, it's again. So what is it like? I've never heard of a writer's group. Is it just like um, a like well, a network? When I joined was writing Writers Inc. Okay, which is a Facebook group, and it was right. the inaugural one. So this writing.ie is a fantastic resource. Okay, it's Vanessa Fox O'Loughlin, and she had set up a. I've met her actually at an event in the she's, library. She was she's just presenting Miss it. Ireland okay. writing. She's in, yes. in involved in everything. So she set this up, and Maria McHale. You would love Maria McHale. Okay. She's the motivational side of things. Okay. She's actually a journalist as well. Right. She's amazing at encouraging and motivating. So they set it up, and then there's other people in the course, and they do a challenge. So you might do 300 words. They'll give you a prompt, but it really got my writing flowing again. Focusing and, your mind on one thing, like and, d- and you're reading other people's writing, and oh. you're critiquing theirs. You're saying you're you're learning what they're doing wrong. You're learning through yeah. other people and through yourself. Gets you into it. You're you're with a group of kind of like minded people who are writing. Mm. Um, and I just found that was really good. You know, especially for women who are busy and you don't have yeah. time to be going to a writers group. Um, that yeah, so that's that, all online. That's online. Yeah, and then if they go to a writers group, they would meet together right, is yeah, it there's, yeah there's, I'm sure there's writers groups around Cork there's, okay. there's definitely a couple of them anyway okay um, it's just a great way to kind of you know to start writing yeah. to get going and then the other thing is like for years I would go to my desk and I wouldn't feel like writing and I'd mm. just walk away yeah years I did that okay. and you there's no point in sitting there or, or sorry there's no point in trying to wait until, until you you're inspired like, like yeah there's no muse going to come there's no elves mm. going to come in the middle of the night and write it for you there's it's no fairies you. really is there you're just no it's in you it's inside you yeah. it will come out if you let it out but you have to sit there and that's the hardest part at yeah. the start is sitting there and r- let yourself write absolute shite yeah just let it come out and then eventually it's the patience and the 
being vulnerable, I think, are the two things yeah. that... It, and, it, and it is like being vulnerable because you're writing rubbish and you're mm. thinking, this is, this is like, what am I doing? Mm. You know, but you have to... Because I felt like writing the proposal, I now see it as like, I was kind of foolish. I was writing for approval and writing it in a way that might please others when the person I'm trying to help with the book isn't going to respond to that language anyway. You know, yeah. so that's where well, I've I been suppose, you see, that's battling. Because it is, it is a whole commercial thing as well. And it's like yeah. with, with, uh, with fiction, you have to write um, a pitch, a submission pitch, and then every agent or every publisher have a different template for what they want you to, so to you fit into. Like, kind of have yeah. To fit in, you know, yeah. And it, it but is you have a, to still write. Industry, you do have to. Yeah, you have to respect the rules, but at the same time, keep writing imperfectly I yeah. guess is what I'm hearing to keep putting words down well, that's with fiction anyway yeah with fiction yeah. and I know like yeah I suppose I'm just even learning the difference between and yeah. you know so my for, eyes are open. for non-fiction it's if you can you know sell your idea sell your proposal yeah. and that means you know having just an absolutely amazing proposal mm-hmm. getting it to the right people yes and then getting them to work with you yeah on the book so tormenting people. I'm yeah. good at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what would you say on a personal level for your own expansion or development? Like what would you advise people even outside of writing just as someone who I see as iconic, like I said, normal. I think we need to normalise all these people we've put on pedestals that they can be, like you said, you can reach success and be a bestseller, but you're still the normal person that, like how can we normalise that? But, you know, what can you say to the regular person who isn't particularly interested in writing just about finding their passion and finding something that they love despite the fact that it's really hard you know to tuning back into yours like you said it's all inside us so like yeah I think maybe as you as you you get older rather than having less confidence in yourself have more confidence because you know all that life experience that you've built up and even just rearing kids and running Mm -hmm. a household and managing all that there's there's so much inside you and then I think for a huge thing for me would be meditation. Mm-hmm. And I did the mindfulness-based um, stress reduction course in Cork. Okay. It's John Kabat-Zinn. He, um, there was a woman, Shireen, doing it. Suaveness, S-U-A-I-M-H-N-E-A-S. Brilliant we might share course. that actually afterwards yeah. in, the, in the notes. I don't know if she's still doing it, but I did okay. it before lockdown. And I would have struggled really badly with anxiety. And, you know. And you've written about that anxiety. actually, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And so I did the meditation and I had four or five really good years where, you know, I mean, you have your up and down days, mm-hmm. but I really felt that panicked, you know, that overwhelm was, was kind of at bay. And then I found after the book, first book came out, it was coming back again. And okay. I was like, oh my God, I might have to go to the doctor. I might have to get something. What will mm-hmm. I do? I was walking the dog. I found walking really, you know, really good. But then I realized I had stopped meditating because it had worked and because I don't particularly enjoy doing it and it takes 20 minutes a day or mm. whatever. You know, you're rushing around, you don't have time. And then I was like, I need to go back and start yeah. doing it. And I don't know what it, my sister was asking me. I don't, like, I don't do meditation and then feel camera after it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a, it's overall, it balances out the nervous system somehow. Yes. Whatever it's doing. Yeah. And if you're consistently do it, yeah. it gives your, it just gives your brain a break. I think it's like, I'm obsessed with meditation. You might know that about me, but no, like I, I started me, myself, like just, I didn't go to any course. I just started in, I suppose, self-discovery. But I can't even tell, I think it's like, it's like coffee or it's like anything. I just find that it's opened up a part of my brain that I didn't even know was there. And there was answers, there's ideas. The stuff that I thought was weird about me actually for years that I'm like, 
why do I always have these crazy ideas? And it was like a beast I couldn't control. And as soon as I started meditating, just out of, I don't know why, what I even started for, but like, it just allows me to turn down the volume of all the busyness and it allows me to take a rest from for that side of my brain, but it allows the other side of the brain to give me all the answers. I'm like, so I'm always telling people, you don't understand. If you're busy, you need to meditate. If you're really busy, you need to meditate twice as long as the person who is, you know, it's just amazing. I never put that together, but I wrote the book after I started okay. meditating. And right. I was years talking about it beforehand. Yeah. And I hadn't written the book. So maybe that did kind of... The action piece, I think it brings clarity. It changes the frequency it somehow. Does. It absolutely does. And you know, it does calm the nervous system. Like yeah. we're operating in cortisol all of the time. We're like addicted to our own cortisol and we're in this low fight or flight. And especially yeah. if you have anxiety, actually, I didn't suffer from anxiety, but I know from just studying it that as in now my own self-study of like, I need to know more, I need to know more, yeah. a thirst for more. But it actually takes away, it balances out the the supply of cortisol that you're giving to your body. So it gives your nervous system a chance to regulate which means you can calm down because everyone my whole life have, has been saying to me, you need to calm down. And I'm like, no, this is like, this is mild. I can go oh 10 gosh. more, you know, yeah, yeah. but I finally learned to calm down. But it, it's completely, if I go two days without meditating, I could do it morning and night and I'll see a difference in myself. I'll see that I'm not giving my thoughts a chance. I'm not giving myself a chance. It just, it changed me like it really yeah. did. But I, I think it's really interesting that you could nearly identify with you that it was the action that came out the other side might have a, a huge connection to meditation. Yeah. So there, if you're out there now and you're thinking of writing, well, now you've another thing to do to add to your list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'd love to share, you know, any actual structured courses. I mean, it's a brave thing. In my meditations, I just do pick a topic. Like you can do meditations to make you just chill or you can do them for focus and I do them more for oh I need to get if I'm struggling with self-doubt yeah, yeah. they have to have a purpose for me but only lately have I taken the brave step when I'm coaching people I was recommending meditations for them you know just generic ones but now I've stepped into the world of recording them and I still cringe yeah. like if I hear myself yeah. on them yeah. I die it'd be like if I'm listening back to this but there's definitely power in the words for people and it unlocks things in them Definitely. So like if you can find, I'm not saying like it has to be a person that you know, but like if you can find someone even online for someone who's just starting from scratch, some people give up based on the voice. Like if I hear an American man, I don't know what it is. I just yeah. shut down. I can't listen. So like There's if you haven't found the right voice. Yeah. Where she's got a lovely voice. Sarah okay. Raymond is her name. And yeah, but I've, I've kind of listened to them over and over and over. So I need something. Yeah, you're fed up with them. Well. Yeah. yeah. But I'd love to share the structured course that you did maybe in the meditation that anyone that's yeah, interested yeah. In, in this locally or beyond can, can you know, have that information because I would have been the one rolling my eyes at anyone who meditated. I just thought it was for the bendy people. I just thought it was yeah. for people who are like, you know, it, they're already all, calm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually for crazy folk like me who couldn't calm down. I just thought it would calm me down. But actually what came through on the other side of it was it's where all my power is when I can just quieten down the noisy brain. You know, yeah. no, I still yeah. haven't put the book out there. <laughs> I'm not saying it can do miracles, but know. it's worth testing. But I'm glad yeah. to hear someone else validate the process of meditation and what it can do for them. It's been an absolute joy. I've burned the ears off you. Uh, I hope you've given people inspiration like you give to me all the time. Um, 
And now when I see you walk your dog, I'll be like, well, what ideas are you thinking of now? <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. And if you don't have your hands on a copy of her book, get it fast before number two comes out. When will that be? Um, that? that will be next year sometime. Okay, so it's not me. Yeah, it won't no, be. So, okay. so you've loads of time. Get the first book and we can prepare ourselves for the second. And maybe you'll come back and talk about that in due course. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you very much.